of John. So you've noticed that every passage we've been in so far has focused on the Gospel of John. Um, in particular, the last seven weeks, including this week, is a focus on the identity of Jesus from his declarations of him uh, saying, I am. So we've seen how Jesus is uh, the bread of life. He is the light of the world. Uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. Uh, he is the door to the sheep. He is the good shepherd, right? And so all these things culminating tonight in the final one of those I am statements that he is the true vine. So that's what we're going to look at this week. Uh, hopefully you have your workbooks or you got a copy of the sheet. Uh, and if not, if you have a Bible or if you have a Bible app, we are in John chapter 15. Um, and so what I would like to do is uh, read that for us. And pray, and then uh, get us into our time together so you have plenty of time uh, to discuss. So if you're there in John 15, and if you're able, go ahead and stand. We're going to read from John 15. And I'm going to just actually read for the sake of time verses 1 through 11. Uh, so that first paragraph there. Uh, but we'll still talk a little bit about verses 12 through 17 as well. But John 15, starting in verse 1, Jesus says this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and, uh, and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Go ahead and have a seat. Let's pray. And ask for God to, to bless our time as we study this evening. Uh, so, Father, indeed, we do ask uh, for your favor now with us uh, as we bring a close to this study, uh, at least for this semester. Uh, pray that you would help us to better understand uh, the necessary role that Jesus plays in spiritual growth. Uh, we desire to learn from that tonight. We desire to see the, uh, the vital importance of this passage to our daily lives and so in order for that we need your help and we need your spirit to move through your word so we pray that that would be the case here tonight as we unpack this passage together so give us that favor we ask in jesus name amen all right so hopefully again you have had time throughout the last week uh, to unpack this passage and if so, you probably noticed that with the format we use for our Bible study, this may have been arguably 
the trickiest, or I could say probably the busiest, wouldn't you say? Um, the reason I say that is when you look at this and you look at what is said about Jesus, that first question, you look at the second question about any repeated words or phrases, that third question about uh, any commands, warnings, and promises, the reality is there is a lot. Almost every single verse has answers to every single one of those questions. And so that makes it uh, a really busy study, but makes it a little bit more of a, a challenging one in many ways. Uh, so I'm going to kind of jump to that second question a little bit, and uh, let's just throw these out really quick here. So what are some of the repeated uh, words or themes or ideas that keep popping up in this? Yeah. Okay, branch, bearing fruit, vine, yes. Um, commandment, ask, love. Okay, commandment, ask, love, yes. Abide. Abide, those are you say. Absolutely. What else? Anything else? Did pretty good. Oh, yeah. Father. Father, that was another one, yeah. I command you. I command you. All right, perfect. So we see a lot of these ideas. Now, the reality is when I started to, to unpack uh, any particular promises. I don't know about you, but I started to see like, well, verse one is kind of a promise statement. Verse two is kind of a promise. It's like, as you go along, there's several of them. Now, as we look at this, we'll talk a little bit later about maybe some of the warnings that Jesus gives. But from what I can see in this, there is one primary command. There's others that are kind of commands, but I would say that there is one primary command that stands at the heart of this passage. Anybody know what that command is? Yeah. Verse 12 where it says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So that's good. So that is, uh, that is good. And that one can be tricky because that, that is a direct command for sure. But even from the first half of the verse, is there one in particular that stands out? It goes with one of the words that we talked about already. Abide in Jesus. Abide, yes. So if you look there in verse 4, Jesus' probably most straightforward command that he speaks. And again, he's given this to his disciples. This is the night before he's about to die. And the main command that he gives to them right here in the section, verse 4, abide in me. Abide in me. Uh, you know, there is, as we just mentioned here, with all these different themes that emerge from this passage, if we were to unpack this, it would take us a really long time. In fact, in order to do that really uh, effectively, it would probably take us multiple weeks. And so as I, I approached this this week, I thought, you know, let's focus primarily on that one command, and it's... Uh, its impact that it has on the rest of the passage. And so what I want to do is I want to look particularly at verse 5, because verse 5 is your memory verse for this week. And I think that understanding that will help you better understand what Jesus is getting at here. Verse 5, I am the vine. That's Jesus in his identity saying, I am the vine, you, his disciples, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. And so as we take everything that the passage has been talking about, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in just a moment here. What were some of the main points you came up with? I'm, I'm just kind of curious to hear how those unfolded as you looked at these scenes and uh, the emphasis that was coming out of this. Yeah, so Bailey. Okay, so yeah, in particular there, that's from that second half there, so how uh, Jesus, as true vine, uh, changes our identity, hey, he calls us uh, friends, very good, what else? I like that, yeah, so as a true vine, Jesus is able, uh, how do you say it, to help us bear much fruit, or something like that, yeah, so that really plays off of that uh, analogy and that illustration there, too, the idea that Jesus is a vine. Right? So we talk about branches, how branches produce uh, fruit. Uh, and that's very close to the idea that I came up for us uh, as well this week. So we're going to work off of this idea here. Hopefully yours is somewhat similar. Uh, and again, you're doing a great job with this here. This is how we learn to study the Bible together. Uh, but I'm going to work off this idea here that as the true vine, Jesus is the source of all growth. And if we wanted to even add to that, we could say all true and lasting growth, right? So, so much of what Jesus is talking about in this section really connects that language of the vine and the branches to bearing fruit. Uh, so you probably noticed there in the study notes how this language of the, the vine and the branches, this is a very common illustration in this culture, right? There. Vineyards were a very common uh, agricultural profession uh, in ancient Israel. There were vineyards all over the place. And so uh, the Israelites would have been very familiar with this practice. I don't know how many of you have ever been out to uh, the vineyard out uh, here in Mackinac before. You ever seen that up close, right? So you've seen uh, perhaps uh, you or maybe you've driven by the vineyard before. Or you've been to uh, someplace before where you see the idea how vines grow on these uh, trellises um, and from those vines branches produce and from those branches you see ultimately the grapes and the fruit the produce that comes from them and so Jesus is adopting a very uh, graphic but a very uh, powerful illustration to describe to his disciples what spiritual growth looks like and so the point that he is getting at here is the fact that spiritual growth cannot happen apart from him. Apart from being connected to the vine. And we're going to talk about what that means here in just a moment. But I, I think it's important that we understand here. So I made a pretty... I made a pretty bold statement there that talks about the idea that this fruit is spiritual fruit. And so let's prove that from this passage. What are some of the, the illustrations or what are some of the examples of what we would maybe call spiritual fruit that you see here in John 15? You know, when we talk about fruit, fruit is a, a word. Uh, if you look at that, the study notes there, uh, it's a metaphor, right? Uh, fruit describes outcomes. It, it describes 
the outpouring of something else, right? So if you have an apple tree, it produces something. So if we're talking about here spiritual fruit, because Jesus is not saying you literally grow fruit. That would be big cool, uh, but be a little weird, right? So he's talking about something very different. He's talking about the, the outcome of your life. So what are some of the spiritual fruits that we see here in John 15? Yeah. Okay, yes. Yeah. So we especially get into the part in the second half here about love, right? So one of the, the fruits uh, we want to talk about that show that your life is connected to Jesus. Uh, maybe we can reduce it down and say sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Love is not something that is natural to us. In fact, there is a tendency uh, for us to love ourselves. Uh, the reality is we all probably love ourselves too much. Uh, in fact, the reason that Jesus... Uh, Tells us that the greatest commandment uh, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Is because most of you, I'm willing to bet in this room, don't struggle to love yourself very much. Um, and that's okay because every day you're caring for your needs, you're, you're pursuing the things that you know you need. Um, but Jesus is saying that you don't really have to think much about loving yourself, but you do have to think really hard about what it looks like to love others. And that's supernatural. And so he says that uh, for love to be a way of your life, if people see genuine sacrificial giving love uh, in your life, that's probably a sign that your life is rooted in Jesus. So that's one of the fruits we see. What else? What other, what's another fruit? Yes. Joy from verse 11. Joy. I like it. Yeah, verse 11 there. That was really good. So that's kind of a real summary statement of that section there. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and not just my joy that my joy or that your joy may be full right we could say completed joy uh, and when we're talking about joy joy I think we've discussed this before in here joy is more than just happiness it's not less than happiness right so joy certainly can be happiness but joy uh, that separates itself from just happiness. The word I like a lot of uh, times with joy is satisfaction. It's satisfaction. Uh, because the reality is, James 1 says that uh, you should count it all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm encountering, encountering hard things, I'm not necessarily falsely happy about it, right? So when it talks about having joy, even in the midst of hard times, joy is not so much just that emotion. Joy is that contentment. It's that satisfaction that says, even though life is hard, I know that I can count on Jesus. I know that in this world where things are unstable and constantly changing, Jesus never does. And so I'm resting and I'm hoping in that that's where joy is ultimately produced. So we can say sacrificial joy or sacrificial love. We can say completed joy. What else? What's another fruit that we see from this passage? Two other ones that I think are really important. And they go back to things that you spoke of 
in your repeated themes or repeated words that we've seen here. Let me ask you this. When do you ask God for things? Or what means do you use when you ask God for things? Prayer, right? Do you see that a couple of different times in this passage? Jesus says in verse 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. Verse 16, So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Right? This, this idea of, of prayerfulness uh, comes from a life that is abiding in Jesus. Uh, that you are understanding that you are dependent upon God. Your life is not your own. You're not living in self-reliance, but you are living a life that says, ultimately, I depend on someone else. And so we can say prayer, we can say sacrificial love, completed joy. But then there's one other thing that we've alluded to time and time again. And actually, Bailey, you were the one who kind of brought it up as well. What was that? Kind of what was in your main point there? You talked about commandments, right? Obedience, we could say. Obedience. Maybe we call that supernatural obedience because obedience to God is not natural. In fact, the Bible says, and we've talked about this before, that none of us by ourselves in our own efforts are able to please God. Obedience is not something that we're wired to because of our sinful nature. But it's only when our lives are rooted in Christ, when they are abiding in Christ, that we are actually able to live in a way that is in step with God. It doesn't mean we're doing it perfectly. Anybody who's been a Christian for any length of time knows that you're not going to do that perfectly. But any type of obedience to the commandments of the Lord, which we see so clearly Jesus spell out here, are a sign of our abiding in Christ. So, let's go back to that idea for just a moment. So if all of this depends on the fact that Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches, which, think about that for just a moment. Let me ask you, let me ask you this question. Can branches exist apart from the vine? No. Can the vine exist without branches? Absolutely. Shows our, uh, what I love about this illustration is it shows, by Jesus putting us in these two roles, it shows our absolute dependence upon him. Right? He even says that, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so for those of you who are here tonight who think that you can live a life that is pleasing to God without him, Jesus says, you need to reconsider that. And for those of you who are Christians, who, who understand the importance of Jesus, this passage is also going to help you understand that when you're not living for the Lord, there is a spiritual, if we could call it, disconnect. Because you're not actively abiding in Jesus. So what does that actually mean when we talk about the word abide? Notice there in the study helps... That word abide, it's a really rich word. It it means to remain put or to stay connected. Um, 
Obviously, most of you are not vine dressers here. So let's, let's use another illustration that will help you understand this. So uh, I've seen several of these tonight. Who, who, has a, who has a phone with you here tonight? Okay. This is, this is a dangerous game here. Okay. So let me ask you this. Since you unplugged your phone this morning, what's happened to your phone? Some of you break your phone today. Uh, what's that? Yeah. What's that? It's slowly losing percentage, a particular percentage of what? Battery, right? So I'm going to be willing to guess that most of you, your phone is probably not at 100% right now. Mine says it's at 32%. Yeah, okay. So. Somebody might have a really good new phone in here and the battery is so rich. But the reality is, the moment you unplugged your phone from that charger this morning, your phone's battery life started to diminish. And it was slow at first, and it was small and not very noticeable at first. But as the day goes along, that percentage gets larger, and it gets more noticeable. And you start to get more warning signs that say, hey, you need to do something about this. Here's the deal. For the Christian, that's what abiding is like. God has given you means of staying connected to Jesus. And the reality is if you start to disconnect yourself from those things, it's only a matter of time before you start to notice the drain on your life. And again, that's going to be maybe small and incremental in ways that are not super noticeable at first. But for anybody who is truly a Christian, over the course of time, you're going to start to feel that. You're going to start to notice that. And you're going to start to see the warning signs. You're going to start to see ways that you're more apathetic. Or maybe ways that you are starting to uh, walk or talk or do things that you normally wouldn't when you are richly abiding and staying connected to Jesus. And that's the whole point Jesus wants you to see here. And I think there's two important ways you have to understand that. First of all, that you have to be abiding in Christ by faith. Right? Jesus says very clearly that apart from me, you can do nothing. So for some of you here, the reality is you're maybe trying to be a Christian, but the reality is you have not actually put your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And Jesus says you are not a branch that is truly connected to his vine. And in fact, the warning that he gives to you tonight is found in verse 6 there. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. We've just come out of a fall season where we see all kinds of end-of-year landscaping stuff going on. People raking up leaves, twigs, all that stuff. And those getting burned. Because they're no longer connected. They're no longer necessary. That's the illustration Jesus is saying here. He says... You never, you never truly belonged because you never really truly were connected. 
You never put your faith in me. You never truly were abiding in me. And so you need to consider that tonight, students, whether or not your life is actually truly connected to Jesus, first of all, by faith. But for those of you who are truly abiding in Jesus, who have put your faith in Jesus, the reality is this command that Jesus gives to you is still one that requires an act of obedience continually on your part. And so I, I mentioned before that that abiding language, it really ties into what it looks like to, what are the means that Jesus has allowed you to connect with him? And I think there's three primary ones. I think we could talk about a lot of them, but here's three primary ways that you abide in Christ. First of all, you abide in Christ through his word. You abide in Christ through his word, right? Through studying the word of God. Maybe some of you have noticed that when you go a couple of days or a couple of weeks apart from being in your Bible, you start to notice the difference in your life. And you start to notice uh, the challenges that come, that your, uh, your life is not living consistent with the word of God. The word of God is refreshing and is encouraging and is meant to change you from the inside out. And so one of the ways that you abide and you remain connected to Christ is through his word. But secondly, one of the other ways that you remain connected to Christ is through his work, which is his intercessory work. And more simply put, through prayer. One of the ways that we have access to God the Father, which Jesus spells out here, is because Christ has died for us. He serves as our high priest. And that is the reason we are able to Think about this. You, you are just a simple student living in central Illinois. That's pretty insignificant when you look at the United States, the world, and the universe. And yet, God has given you, if you have put your faith in Christ, he has given you the privilege to have access to talk to him. I don't know if you think about that enough, but that, that's kind of a mind-blowing reality that God has granted you, Jesus has granted you that access to God the Father because of what he has done for you. And so one of the greatest means that we have to grow in our faith is the fact that God gives us the privilege to come to him in prayer. And so we should not, we must not forsake that awesome privilege. But the third one, and maybe one that you haven't thought about before, that Christ has given to you for remaining connected to him. Anyone know what it might be? What do you think? We've talked about the word of God. We've talked about prayer. But what do you think the last one is? I feel like I heard some whispers over here. Worship. Worship in particular with who? The church. The church is called the body of Christ. One of the ways that you abide in Christ is with his people. Uh, I cannot emphasize this enough for you, that Jesus did not save you to be a lone ranger Christian, to be a lone wolf who's off on your own. He saved you into a community, into a family of brothers and sisters who are there to walk with you and to help you abide in him. 
In fact, I, I just have, I've become more convicted of this more and more as I've gotten older that to me, to, for people to have a disconnect from the body of Christ to say, I love Jesus, but I don't love his people, tells me that they're not truly actually abiding in Christ. Because you cannot say you love one without the other. And so, student, I, I just, man, if there's one thing that I just want to encourage you with as you continue to get older, especially for those of you who are seniors, juniors, who are going to be going off to college here soon, if you want to know what it is to truly abide in Christ, this is probably the most important one that you need to consider. You need to make this one a priority for your life. This is how God has designed you to operate in community and to actually be able to truly operate in all these other ways that help you abide in Jesus. And so do not ever overlook the importance of the people of God. Are we imperfect? Absolutely we are. Do we still mess up? Do we still hurt and offend one another? Absolutely we do. And yet, Jesus talks about how awesome it is when we still love one another, right? Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, Jesus said back in chapter 13 of John that this is how the world will know that you are my disciples, by the way that you love one another. And so, to bring that all to a close, Jesus being a true vine means we must abide in him because we are going to have any sense of spiritual fruits, any sense of spiritual growth, true and lasting growth in our life, it has to come from Jesus, not from ourselves. If we want to experience the joys of eternal life, it cannot happen apart from first and foremost placing our trust in him and being rooted in the vine. So with that, I'm going to get you guys dismissed to your group so you can have some time processing this tonight. Uh, so may God bless that, and we will see you next week with small group night, but hopefully we'll see you on Friday as well.